0: what happened physically and to help us remember what happened spiritually when Jesus died and Jesus did die and that's a basic tenant of our faith which we'll talk about that in the next service it's always fun to say in the next service we'll talk about that because it's like we don't normally could say that because we forget don't we you ever forgotten something? Anybody? Or do you remember forgetting anything? I don't know. You ever forgotten something and then remembered it later? Like, oh. Anybody's memory getting better with age? No, me neither. At least I don't remember it getting better. I don't know if that's how it works or not. And, and when you forget something, forgetting can be a not so big deal. Or it can be a pretty big deal. So one day I was headed to work and I had forgotten my belt. Oh well, you know, oh well. Just look a little bit beltless that day. Look a little silly. No big deal. Another day I forgot my wallet. That's a little bit bigger deal, right? Um, Forgot my phone a few times. That's a pretty big deal nowadays, right? Because our whole lives are in our phones. One day I forgot the keys to the front door of the office. Well, that requires a trip back home because you got to have the keys to the office. Got to have those. Actually at man can we just install a door lock that you can activate with your fingerprint or a code or I can use my phone. I can actually knock on my phone and it opens the door. Yeah. So, huh? Knocking, it shoved. And actually, there's a new thing on it. I can just take my phone and go like this, and it unlocks the door. I kid you not. But that was now. That's now. Back then, I had to have keys. And if I didn't have keys, I had to go back home. So sometimes, forgetting things causes really major issues. Do I forget to take your medication? Don't, okay? And then sometimes, when we forget something... And then remember it, we get pretty excited. We live in a world of passwords. Anybody ever forget your password? And you put it in, it's like, no, that's wrong. And you try it again, no, that's wrong. you get in, they're going to lock you out if you don't do it right. Then you forget your password, and they send you an email so that you can reset your password. And you set your password to what you thought it was, and it says you can't use an old password. And you're like, what the heck? I don't know what's going on. But then, like, have you ever, like, forgot a password and then remembered it, and you got in, and you're like, yes, or forgot where your wallet was, but then you remember that you left it in the car. I've done that 28 times in the last year. And so when you remember something, it's a relief. It's calls for celebration. Or maybe you're taking a test, and you're looking at this question, and you know the answer, but you can't remember, and then it comes to you, and you're like, yes, sweet remember. Right, and as bad as forgetting is, remembering is that much better, isn't it? When that thing clicks in your mind, and I don't know what it is, I don't know synapse pops or something I don't know, but you pull that memory out of that hippocampus right there, and you're like, yes, this morning, on purpose, we come together to remember and celebrate. I've said this before in the past couple weeks. We come this morning to remember and to celebrate the single greatest event in human history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And again, here we are. I'm 45. Some of y'all are older than that. Some of y'all are younger than that. And you've heard this story, and you've heard this story, and you've heard this story, And we yawn and we say, oh, I need more coffee. And again, I would pray that this morning we would hear this story like we heard it for the first time. Like they experienced it, if that's even possible, in this account that we're about to read. We're going to read Luke's account this morning. And we're going to read the end of Luke 23 through Luke twenty four twelve, And we're going to start with the death of Jesus. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea, He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, who had not consented to their decision and action, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, God, this morning I pray that we would not disbelieve. I pray that we would remember and believe. And I pray that we would go and tell people what we've remembered this morning, what we believe this morning. Help us by the power of your Spirit to see the power of the resurrection in their lives and in our lives. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to work quickly through 24, 1 through 12. And we're going to look specifically at three things. We're going to look at what was forgotten, what was remembered, and what responses it all caused. And you don't need to write that down or anything. What was forgotten, what was remembered, and what responses it all caused. And of course, we'll look into how we should respond to these truths in our day and time starting today. So. Let's dig in. So after reading the account of Jesus' death at the end of chapter 23, we find chapter 24 starting out and focusing on the actions of who? Well, the last verses of chapter 23 said, "...the women who had come with Him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how His body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments." And then on the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandments. So these women... Women. These women who had watched Jesus die and then took note of where they had laid Jesus' body were the they that's mentioned in 24.1. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb. These women. 24.10 <clears> will tell us, as we just read, that it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. So that's a little more specific, not overly We've got Mary, Joanna, Mary, Mary must have been a popular name, and the other women listed here. John's account, which we focused on last year, zeroed in on Mary Magdalene. Matthew focuses on Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, and Mark mentions Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome. So it was the woman, the women sorry, who watched him die that received the first revelation of Jesus' resurrection. They had arrived at the tomb to anoint the body of a dead man. But they, like the disciples who had scattered into the night back on Friday, had forgotten something really important. Jesus had said on numerous occasions that He was going to Jerusalem, that He would be handed over to the chief priests, that He would be killed, and that He would come back from the dead on the third day. That's pretty specific, right? And Jesus had told them that on numerous occasions. Mark records three instances where this is clear. Let me read those. Mark eight thirty one. And he, talking about Jesus, began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Now that's when he was alive and was teaching them. He also said in Mark 9.31, For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. Again, pretty clear, pretty specific. Mark 10.33 and 34, saying... See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him, and after three days he will rise. So that's pretty clear, right? I mean, let's do the math. One, two, three. One, two, three we're going to Jerusalem, I'm going to be handed over, they're going to kill me, and after one, two, three days, I'm going to come out of the tomb alive. And they forgot. They forgot. Did he tell them more than this? Probably. But he told them at least three times. And those three times are mirrored in Mark and Luke's accounts as well. And they forgot. It's really pretty interesting that in Mark 8, it says afterward, that Peter actually rebuked Jesus for saying this. Lord, may it never be. May this never happen to you. And then in Mark, after Mark 9.31 and Mark 9.32, it says they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask Him. So they're like, uh, did, did He say He was going to die? Yeah, I think that's what he said, won't you ask him, Mm-mm, I'm not asking him, you ask him, Peter, you're the guy who's always pfft, word vomiting, you know just you you no way, man, I'm not asking him. I'm scared. They didn't understand, and they were afraid to ask him. It's real easy to forget things that we don't understand, isn't it? It's easy to forget things that we'd rather not think about again, and it's easy to forget things when things look bad and hard because we look at our circumstances instead of looking at what we know to be true. And that's exactly what happened with the disciples and with the women. They all had seen Jesus die just like He said He would, but they all forgot that He said He would rise again. Now, that's an awfully big tidbit to forget, don't you think? Oh yeah, by the way, I'm going to come back from the dead, so that when I'm dead... I'll be back. They forgot. But God is not done with these folks, even in the midst of their forgetfulness. So these women show up to work on a dead body, but they find the stone rolled away from the tomb, and they go in the tomb looking for the corpse, but there isn't one. And verse 4 says this, While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them, in dazzling apparel. They were perplexed. I would say that they were, right? Uh, I don't think they looked at each other and said, we're perplexed. They may have, I don't know. But that word perplexed is too good not to explain. It is the Greek word aporeo, A-P-O-R-E-O, aporeo. so it's aporeo. You're going to remember that, right? oreo. A pretty Oreo, that's how you can remember that. All Oreos are pretty, by the way. The white fudge-covered ones are beautiful. I'll I'll never forget that. But the word perplexed means to be without resources, to be in straits, to be left wanting, to be embarrassed, to be in doubt, not to know which way to turn, to be at a loss with oneself, Not to know how to decide or what to do, to be perplexed. They had forgotten Jesus' clear word, and now they were in doubt, not knowing which way to turn. They were at a loss. They did not know what to do. And aren't we the same when we forget God's word? We're without resources. We don't know what to do. We're in straits, dire straits. We don't know what to do. But God does not leave them or us. They're perplexed. Look again at verses 4 through 9. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Duh! He is not here but is risen. Remember, remember how He told you while He was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered His words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Listen. Here's some really good news for them. Here's some really good news for us. God made sure that they remembered. God made sure that they didn't stay clueless, looking at each other. Uh. He sent angels to jog their memories. They asked why these ladies are looking for Jesus where dead people are usually kept. I'm sure they had a pretty quick thought of, well, because he's dead, duh. But the angels identified Jesus as the living, saying, He is not here but is risen. And then this, remember how He told you while He was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Do you remember? Well, do you? Well, verse 8 says plainly, and they remembered His words by golly he did say that didn't he it's all coming back to me now and what did that remembering do for them it moved them to action they went and told the disciples what they had seen and heard and of course when they showed up everybody had a resurrection party right yay Jesus is alive oh that's right he did say that that's not how it went They didn't go to the empty tomb and have a resurrection party, no. Mm -mm. Verses 10 through 12. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Peter had to get something besides just some words, so he rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home. Marveling, but I don't think he had clarity here. He's kind of like, huh, huh. The apostles. The apostles heard the women, and it says that the words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Peter Goes and looks, goes home marveling, but what good does that do? What was their problem? They didn't remember. They were looking at what was going on around them. They were processing everything that their senses were telling them, but they didn't remember what Jesus had said. They didn't remember what He had plainly said to them before. They didn't remember, so what they heard sounded foolish and had no impact or effect on their lives. The news of the most miraculous event in history seemed to be an idle tale to them. Even seeing some proof didn't even help Peter. Dummies. But let's bring it home, right? Let's bring it home for us. Let me ask you, this morning, this morning, Of all mornings, do you remember what he said? Do you remember what actually happened? You say, well, I wasn't there. Well, we've got some pretty good accounts of it. We've read two of them this morning. Do you remember what Jesus has said? Do you this morning remember that Jesus Christ is in fact alive today? Or is it just an idle tale that tickles your ears once a year and you go home from church marveling but not really being influenced or empowered by remembering the very words of God Himself? Have you forgotten what He has said? Have you forgotten what has happened? Have you forgotten what we sang about this morning? And maybe you're in a terrible position right now. Maybe things are hard. Maybe you're scared. Maybe you're anxious. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you've got an appointment this week that you're dreading. I would ask you this morning, do you remember what He has said? You're like, well, okay, Jesus came back from the dead. What's that got to do with my appointment? What's that got to do with my anxiety? Well, everything. It's got everything to do with all those things. Does the resurrection mean anything to you for your life today, this day, and every day? But we're going to close by reading some scriptures that clearly show us the effect that Jesus Christ coming out of the tomb has on your life. If you are a believer, if you've trusted in Jesus, and we'll talk about that in the next service. Maybe you don't remember how this applies to you. Let me help you. Romans four, twenty two through twenty five. That is why his talking about Abraham, his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words that was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us, our faith, who believe in him who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Your justification depends upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if Jesus Christ came out of the tomb alive, and you've placed your faith in Him, you are justified. Which means that you are just and right to stand in the very presence of God. That means that all of your sins have been taken away. That means that you've been forgiven and been given the very righteousness of that same risen Christ. That's pretty important. Resurrection is good in that way and applies to me and you today. If we've placed our faith in Him, His resurrection brought about our justification. Okay, that's one thing. Ephesians 2, 1 through 7. You see, if Jesus Christ was raised from the grave and you placed your faith in Him, who else was raised from the grave? You were. We were. You're like, well, okay, I'm I'm trying to do the math here, but that was almost 2,000 years ago. I wasn't alive yet. It's a spiritual thing that will affect a physical thing. So when Jesus was raised... I was raised. And Jesus was raised to new life. So that means that I was raised to new life. The old spiritual, were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Were you there when he was raised up that third day? And if you've placed your faith in Christ, yes, you were there. You were in him when he was crucified and the old man was taken and he was buried and a new man came up out of the grave. But see, Jesus didn't just come out of the grave and walk around on earth forever. He ascended on high and is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven where he ever lives to make intercession for us. And what Ephesians just told us is that God has caused us to be seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Christian, you have been caused to be seated with Christ in the heavenly places because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Are you secure in that? Do you know for sure that you're going to heaven? If Jesus makes it, I'm going to make it because I'm in Him God placed me in Him, and I am seated with Him in the heavenly places. If Jesus doesn't make it into heaven, I'm out of luck. But He is in heaven. And I was placed in Him through His resurrection. But that's not all. Colossians 2, 9-15. through For in Him, in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, You were raised with Christ through the, here's the key phrase there, through the powerful working of God. And he disarmed the rulers and authorities who would accuse us and assail us and come against us, blame us, shame us, accuse us. They're disarmed. So when they whisper in your ear, you're not worthy. You're a sinner. You don't deserve this. I can say, you're right. You're absolutely right. And I have been placed in Christ, and though I was dead in my sins and transgressions, I was buried with Him, and I was raised up with Him, and He is worthy. Therefore, God sees me as worthy. So then what? If then... And all those who have died will come out of their graves at the shout and command of Christ Himself. The first resurrection gives us a great hope for the second resurrection. Think about those people who you love who have died and whose bodies are buried in the ground. They are going to come out of that ground and they are going to meet, they will precede us meeting Jesus in the sky because of the resurrection. That's pretty good news. That's a pretty good hope. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. So then we'll know, as we're known, we'll be what we were supposed to be, and that gives us a hope to keep going today. Last one, Romans 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. What we are celebrating this morning is the hope that we pin everything on. If Christ is not raised, Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 15, you are still in your sins. But remember, He is raised. He is alive. And my sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven if you've hidden yourself in Him, if He has hidden you in Him. And with your sins taken out of the way, the dead man is gone, and if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old things have gone, and new things have come. And we walk in that newness of life because of the resurrection. But do you remember... Do you remember, or is it just an idle tale to you this morning? Will you remember tomorrow when faced with the prospect of choosing sin or the glory of God? Will we remember today? Will we remember tomorrow? Or will we just go home scratching our head, marveling at what was just said? He is risen. Remember what He said. Let's pray. God, we celebrate this particular service, this sunrise service, to particularly remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And those words do roll off our tongues and we hear it and we we are familiar with it. And maybe too familiar, we're at risk of being too familiar with it. But God, would you by the power of your Spirit, speak to our hearts this morning and help us to remember not just facts, not just words, but may we remember the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when we forget, help us to remember again. And we will. We will forget. Remind us again. that God, that's why the church is so beautiful and so powerful. Because it gives us a platform to encourage each other, to remind each other. He is risen indeed. Holy Spirit, help us to remember and get glory in our lives as we walk in the newness of life with the authorities and the powers and the principalities disarmed. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Help us, God, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We will take the next...